0: In three, in two, in one. Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson here. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. And we call this one, But Are They Market Value? aware that Zillow has gotten out of the home buying business. It was in it in a big time. It had purchased numerous homes in places like Phoenix, Tucson, and in some of the hottest markets in the United States. But after touting their ability to predict prices, predict eventual sales prices, etc, they turned around and very quickly jumped out of the market. We're not going to talk about that so much today, as we are going to talk about whether we as appraisers should use those i-purchases and i-sales as comparables. Now, I referred specifically to Zillow, but I meant all of the i-buyers, Zillow, Redfin, Opendoor, etc. That's what I'm referring to as we go this. So here's the question. Are these I purchases indications of a property's market value and therefore can we use them as comparable sales? To answer these questions, we're going to go to the definition of market value. I'm not going to repeat it. I don't think that's necessary. Everybody already knows what it is. So let's just look at the individual components of the definition to see if these i purchases and i sales are indeed market value. Did these i buyers purchase in a competitive and open market? I think you'd have to agree they did. They purchased in some of the most competitive markets in the United States and they were up against well-qualified buyers who were getting their money from uh, from other lenders. So as a result, yeah, I think you'd have to give that one Did iBuyers buy under all conditions requisite to a fair sale? Well, given the fact that nobody quite knows what conditions requisite to a fair sale means, I believe you'd have to say yes. Nobody was under any undue pressure. The people who sold to the iBuyers could have sold to anybody else, but they chose to accept the iBuyers offer. In those purchases, the ones under requisite conditions or conditions requisite to a fair sale, were the I buyers and the retail sellers acting prudently and knowledgeably? Well, you can bet that at the time, Zillow thought it was. You can bet that the I buyers thought they were. They might have reconsidered it now, 18 to six months later. But yeah, they they were prudent. They knew what was going on. They were well-advised, well-informed. The sellers didn't have to take the contract, didn't have to take the offer. They could have hired an appraiser to tell them if the offer was reasonable. They could have hired a broker to tell them if the offer was reasonable. So kind of got to assume that, yeah, the buyers and the sellers were acting knowledgeably and prudently. We've already talked about the fact that there was probably not any undue stimulus. Notice this says undue stimulus, meaning there is always stimulus, there's always pressure, there's always a deadline to meet. But was there any undue pressure? No, I don't think you could say there was. Were the eye buyers and the retail sellers typically motivated? Well, without calling them up and asking them, it would be hard to say they. They were not. Of course, Zillow and the other iBuyers were into a program where they wanted to buy a lot of real estate. And again, the sellers were in a position to accept or not accept the offer from the iBuyers. So it seems like the motivation was typical. Were both parties well-informed and well-advised? We covered that. I got to say they were. Again, the sellers could have called brokers, could have called uh, uh, appraisers for help. Many of them chose not to. They just accepted the iBuyer's offer. So, yeah, we'd have to conclude they were well-informed or well-advised. Were the parties acting in their own best interests? Zillow's best interests were, we want to invest in houses. And indeed, they were, as were all of the iBuyers. As to the sellers, again, they didn't have to take the offer. Maybe they wanted to avoid the hassle, the unpleasantness, etc, of putting the house on the market, waiting for buyers, the negotiations, waiting for the closing to take place, the inevitable delays that always take place in the closing, etc. So you'd have to conclude that everybody was acting in their own best interest. Were the properties on the market a reasonable time before the I offer came in? Again, what's a reasonable time? Literally, you, as, a, as appraisers, are seeing houses put on the market and put under contract literally the same day. Now, is that a reasonable exposure time? Well, in the market current as of the end of 2021, probably. Would it have been a reasonable exposure time in the market of 2008? Probably not. But yeah, you probably got to give the iBuyers that one. They were on the market a reasonable time before the iBuyers made an offer. Was the iBuyers purchase in cash or terms equivalent to cash? Yeah, they were cash. They they paid cash. The The seller got a check from uh, the iBuyer at closing. There were no mortgages involved. Was there anything abnormal about the consideration to the seller? No, it was cash, and it was cash in a hurry. The iBars were prepared to close in 10 days or as soon as the paperwork could be prepared. So, there was nothing abnormal about that. Was there any special or creative financing? No, those were cash sales. And the cash sale and the cash purchase appear to have met the requirements of the definition of market value. Now, let's look at the other side of the coin for a second. We all know that Zillow's algorithm either failed it or... Zillow decided to change its investment tactics. So, when Zillow and the other iBuyers sell their properties, will those be arm's length? In other words, would we be able to use them as comparable sales? That's probably a little bit more up in the air, because they've said they're getting rid of their inventory. That puts them probably under an undue stress, an undue stimulus. Now, they're probably going to sell their houses to other investors. Therefore, the buying investors are going to expect a discount, as, well, they should in a bulk type purchase. So, there is reason to conclude that because these I buyers may be cutting their losses, these sales of the houses that they bought are probably not arm's length transactions. Nevertheless we as analysts of the market should collect the data, analyze the data, determine if they are or are not arm's length transactions, and then keep these data in an available database for future reference. After all, you may get a request from a client one day to opine as to disposition or liquidation value, which is probably what these sales from the iBuyers to their buyers are. Now, the question is, should we use these I sales as comparables? That's up to you. If after studying the difference between those sales and typical sales, you decide that there isn't a difference, then yeah, go ahead and use them if you so choose. However, if you believe they're not typical sales, if you believe they don't meet the definition of market value, then don't use them. It's that simple. Now, I do have to raise a bias issue at this point. I'm aware of state appraisal boards who have called on the carpet appraisers who have used I purchases as comparable sales, saying they were not arm's length transactions. I believe this demonstrates the bias of those appraisal boards because there's no evidence anywhere that those i purchases were not arm's-length transactions however the appraisal board is the appraisal board and can do pretty much whatever it wants to do therefore as a caveat I would simply recommend that while you investigate these sales, you collect them, you verify them, you analyze them, you probably want to stay away from using them as either comparable purchases or comparable sales simply because of the bias that exists out there. So were the original sales arm's length? Probably. Will the sales of those properties be arm's length? That's a lot more up in the air, and the answer to that is probably no. But in order to steer clear of an appraisal board, you probably want to avoid them altogether. If you don't, if you want to use them, that's your choice. So that's my advice on this matter. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate. I look forward to working with you on anything consult with me contact me at tim at or visit my website theappraisersadvocate.com or my youtube site theappraisersadvocate it'll be a pleasure to hear from you it will be an honor to work with you please let me extend my best to you and your family thank you so much and we're clear oh but I forgot to ask Are your professional fees professional enough?